live from Vegas, Jimmy Kimmel's Comedy Club. Thanks to Salesforce, we had Todd McShay with us going over our all-time NFL and NBA bust five apiece, our humble beginnings. We do a little Q&A and life advice live again from Vegas. It's the Ryan Rosillo Podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older, 18 plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. All right, so we got Todd McShay coming out. We'll do life advice. We'll do Q&As. we got a lot of fun. Thank you again for making it out here on a Wednesday night, and we'll get this thing started. Thank you. Put asses in the seats, huh? Look at you. Well, I think there's a, there may have been a coupon. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, what are we doing tonight? My... Uh, <laughs> I just sitting in that car for eight straight hours, like my legs are dying right now. So I was like, all right. Um, I've been in a car ride with you for like five hours and it was, I can't imagine being in your head alone. <laughs> it's a dangerous neighborhood up there. Well, it, we had a lot of, we, we traveled a lot in 2008. It was the only year they let us do game day together. And they were like, all right, it's, it's time for you guys to move on. Although you moved on to TV, so you got, like, promoted. I was still just doing radio stuff. Yeah, we missed so many flights back on Sunday morning that they decided, like, from travel and expense. Thank God it was a big enough company to not really pay attention to what was happening. They were like, how come their flights keep going up every Sunday? Why are they coming back on Monday? <laughs> uh, we met 20 years ago uh, at that, that Boston radio station. I was reading Todd in Sporting News. I didn't know who he was. I just really liked his stuff. And then somebody was like, he actually lives in Boston. Like, maybe we can have him come by the studio. And he shows up. He's like this young dude who's like, I was like, ah, what is this? I was like, I thought this was this old, grizzled NFL guy. (laughs) He actually showed up with Portnoy, uh, which was funny because Dave, you introduced me to Dave in in the studio. And I was like, oh, you're the guy that, like, does that pamphlet, right? (laughs) Well, that's that was the joke. Like, I I grew up with Dave Portnoy, who started Barstool Sports, and... I was actually living with him at the time. We all got out of college. I was making 12 grand my first year for this the tiny little scouting company called The War Room. And I got a 100% raise the next year, making 24,000 in Midtown That's Manhattan. Then we moved to Boston, and, and Portnoy's living there. He was making $125,000 like right out of college, selling medical uh, technology or something like that? Medical devices. Yeah. Med- yeah, those guys, actually, it's a good gig. But uh, but I'm living with him, and I come home one day, and he's sitting there. He's talking to, like, two creditors. He's got two phones going. Like, what? <laughs> what is going on, man? He's like, yeah, but we're going to have to cut this lease out. I'm going to have to move home for a while. I'm starting this barstool sports thing. And we started joking, like, so you're going to leave this $125,000 to start a pamphlet about gambling? And, you know, it's funny, you know, joke's on me now because he just bought a $56 million home in Nantucket. And <laughs> he was oh, so mad when I said pamphlet. And oh, I was like, all right. Well, whatever. that was the big joke. Yeah. It was a pamphlet. And he was delivering it in one of our friend's mom's old 
minivan overnight. I mean, it was a disaster. But I remember when, when we met, so the, the it was 1510 The Zone, right? Yeah. It was the yeah. radio station. There's still some t-shirts. And when they still. first started, they were going up against the... <laughs> I can't wait to see those. I, they uh, they first started, they were going up against WEI, which is like the big show in town. It was the biggest for, sports station in the country. In the country. Yeah. And they, but they got uh, Bill, you guys had Bill Simmons at first, Sean McDonough, like some big names, and they were making a run for it. And that fizzled. I think the money ran. Yeah, they spent all the money on those guys, and then I showed up. Right. So, so, so I, I, we come in, and I, I'm just starting with ESPN. I'm doing some TV. I'm kind of contracted out. I don't have a, I'm not a salaried employee at the time. And so I'm kind of nervous because Portnoy comes to me and is like, listen, we got this opportunity. I'm paying 1510 The Zone to get like an hour of time. So we, it's not like we were getting paid. He was paying. Yeah, we were selling hours. Like right. at one point, my show was four hours, and then these other guys bought two hours of it, and right. I showed up to work, and they're like, your show's two hours now. Yeah, and now we, we were one of the hours. Right. It was me and Portnoy and this other guy, Elio Imbernoni, who was my good friend from college. And um, so we went in. We did like four or five shows, a couple for bars, and we had, we had a lot of fun. And then we went into studio for the first time. That's when we met. We didn't know. I mean, we're young, we're dumb, we're Portnoy's buying time. We go into the fridge in between segments, and, and it's stock full of polar, you know, polar soda. And it's yeah, I think like, it's a New England thing. Yeah, it must be. I mean, it's like trash soda, right? Hey, take it easy. And, and, we, and we, we proceed to go on the air for the next segment for 15 minutes and just rip Polar Soda. Like, this radio station's a joke. They can't afford Diet Pepsi or Coke or whatever, you know. They've got Polar. Polar this, Polar that, Polar this. The show ends, and we walk out, and they're like two executives red in the face. They're like, we, we, our biggest sponsor is Polar. I, the phone has been ringing off the hook. You guys just blew it, and so that was it. That was the last time. That was the last time that we were. That able was the to, last barstool sports. That was the, yeah. yeah. We hit it off, so we we became friends from that point on. But I did. I was looking today because I couldn't remember if it was fifteen ten the zone or the fan or whatever radio, and I came upon this this, oh, uh, no. this great quote from Marcelo. You ready? Back. I said this in 03. Well, no, you said it after the fact. They were interviewing like you and Simmons and some of the other guys. Oh, yeah. They where did you are today, like yeah. this, this company that we started, this radio station. Was we better get to the something. draft soon. Yeah, we will. <laughs> I love doing this to you. So this is Rosillo's quote in, in the article that I read today. When they offered me the contract, they said it's a thousand bucks a paycheck. I was, I was so stupid. I was like, holy shit, 52 grand a year? He goes, he goes on to say, I can pay some bills, maybe go away for a week in the summer. I'll be able to make adult money for sure here. He goes, I was thrilled. And then he goes on to say, and then I found out that you get paychecks every two weeks. <laughs> the article then, one line underneath says, Rosilla was making $26,500 in that first year. But that's what I loved about him. You know, we, we met, we were both struggling. We both couldn't pay rent. We both could, you know, but we kind of grew up in that same neighborhood, same area. And, uh, and, and when he called me, when, when the 1510 The Zone fell apart, I was like, you got to come down to Bristol. And, and it was, yeah, I mean, it was a little, because the weird thing with Todd is he had this awesome setup with this Scouts Inc. And then like ESPN made all sorts of decisions and they just wrote you guys a huge check for it. So then all of a sudden it's like, wait, now you're rich? I'm like, what the fuck? Um, rich. So they were getting rid of people. And yeah, I mean, the reason I worked at ESPN for 15 years is because of Todd. So um, I called them up and said they gave me a contract and then it was fake. And they actually like waved papers in the, in the background of the phone. I was like, where's my raise? Because I'd signed a contract for like $100,000 a year. And they were like, we, we've got it. It's done. You know, crossing the T's, dotting the I's. And then they laid me off a week later. So I was like, so that whole thing, I turned down two other offers and I was like, so it was like the first lesson in how screwed up uh, the business can be. And so I was desperate. And the funny thing is, is like, had I not been that desperate, I would have never even bothered to be like, dude, ESPN's not going to want me there. Like, I'm not ready for that. I, you know, I can't even get a trial. And I called Todd and Todd was like, hey, I'll at least get somebody to listen to your tape. So they're not going to just throw it in the bin where like the joke with radio stations is people get drunk at holiday parties and put on people's demo tapes. And, <laughs> and he was like, I, I'll promise that won't happen. What I didn't know was the most unorganized place in the world. And they were like, we didn't even think you're good, but we constantly screw up the schedule. And if you'll drive down here two hours yep. every single weekend. Um, and that's what started it, man. So thanks. Yeah. So it's always cool yeah. to repay it. I don't know if that's repaying you right now. Uh, 
before we do any of the story time stuff, because I we have a funny thing that we want to do at the end. I have a theory about draft experts that of all the professions somebody can have, maybe politicians is higher, but draft expert is near the top of everybody thinking you're the dumbest person ever. <laughs> no, like the number of people that I've had to argue with being like, you know, he's you didn't my run friend. This, this part of the show by me before. Everybody thinks like you and Mel are actually terrible at what you do. No, I'm, I'm well aware. I mean, that's why I stopped looking at comments about 10 years ago. Do you think that that's, I mean, have you had to see a therapist for that or anything? Uh, no, do, no, it's, I think it's, it's made me a better man. It's, I, yeah, I can deal with stuff. Iron sharpens iron. No, I mean, listen, here's the deal. <laughs> exactly. Here's the deal. I mean, NFL teams screw it. I, the last five years, four of the last five years, I've had like the most of all these like hundreds, you know, it used to be Kuiper. And then it was Kuiper and me. And then it was like Daniel Jeremiah. And, and now there's like 98 people that submit their top 100 every year. And they have this competition. And, I, and I've been number one like four of the last five Ooh, years. Yeah. I didn't even know that. I know, we hugely got you. important. They should be in like, you know, the front of USA Today, right? But, I'm gonna tweet my, it but out my point is you can be as accurate as anyone in the league and have, you know, know exactly where these guys are going to go. But the, at the end of the day, Teams make mistakes, too, and they spend millions of dollars every year just scouting college players. They have two, three, four years of tape. They have senior bowls, you know, East-West Shrine games, combines, individual workouts, private workouts, all that stuff, the pro days, and they still get it wrong. And, it's, it, you know, we can go into a deep thing that no one really cares about tonight, but, it, but trying to figure out when you give someone more money, more free time, and more fame than they've ever had, like, it doesn't matter who the human being is, what the profession is, you go from, you know, scraping by in college and now you're making $4 million a year or a couple million dollars a year and you've got all this free time on your hand. You're focusing on football all the time. You've got all this fame and you're doing like you, and you're playing with 33-year-olds and you're 21. There's going to be some, some problems and, and we see that every single year. Yeah, look, I mean, the divorce rate would be lower if we were better at predicting people. That's true. So I think you should, you should have that in your bio. Thank uh, you. No, but when you put in this much work and, you know, I didn't play in any game anybody cared about. I didn't have the coaching um, that people that are far more qualified in like terminology and different rules and stuff. But when I add up all the hours that I watch, I go, I think I'm I'm I think I'm better at it. Like, I think I'm right more than I'm wrong. And then I think, like, I wonder what it would be like to work for a team. But my lane is, is totally different than your lane of of going to school for it, being in with people, talking to as many teams as you do. Was it? me on the outside like I always thought putting in all that work and then actually being part of something that's competitive has to be more rewarding than being on TV but then I'll hear I all never, the people but I'll, I'll hear all the people in the front office beg you for a job being like can I do what you do instead of this so I don't always wonder how that dynamic works out because I, I know you well enough to know that there's been opportunities yeah. but I don't know that you've really wanted to do it as much as I would have thought you would have the only reason I got into this gig and, and got paid $12,000 my first year living in Midtown Manhattan was scraping by, like, literally trying to see if I could get two His roommate was, pizza. like, 65. Yeah, and 400 pounds, and I slept on his couch. And he was my boss, so it was very awkward. But um, He did like to party, though, so. He did. He did. He's a big wine guy. Yeah, with, with ice in his yeah, white wine. Yeah, ice. I see him all the time. Yeah, that was anyway, yeah, he was one of those guys who, like, every time I'm out, he's out. I'm like, what? What does that mean? Yeah. I had a point to this, but ultimately, yeah, like, sorry. I got into it to be, to, you know, go up the chain and become a general manager. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted nothing to do with television, nothing to do with radio. I truly enjoy, like, watching the tape, writing the reports, all that stuff. And then I, you know, I got the, the first gig I ever got was with the game day radio, doing, doing that, that show. It was, like, eight hours every Saturday and all that. And I, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I, I screwed up. So I, I was shocked that I continued to have a job, you know? And I wanted nothing to do with it. But I, I got an offer. You got to understand, I was one of four people in this tiny company. And we built it from scratch, like grassroots. The thing ESPN bought, Yeah, the right. thing that ESPN bought. And then we, we finally, we had 16 NFL teams that were, that were contracting us out. And we just weren't making enough money to survive. So, like, we were, like, six days away from just shutting it down and everyone go in the league and, and take a job. This was back in like 2003. As an aside, knowing how much they paid for the company at the time, and, and Todd had a little piece of it, I couldn't believe they didn't just start Scouts Corp and yeah. just like steal the idea from you. 
Yeah. Well, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. Just, so we did some sporting news stuff, and then ESPN came in. We did a contract with them to do content, and then a year into it, they ripped it up and and paid the you know the owners of the company. And I, yeah, I had a tiny percentage, but like nineteen million dollars to to take over the company. Right. At that point, I'm like, I've seen this thing through. I can go work for the Browns or the Jets. Those are two teams I was talking to. Or I can see this through. And I would talk to my friends. I only had a couple, at that point, a couple friends in the league. And they're like, dude, I haven't been home in four months. I've been traveling around from like Omaha, Nebraska to Kansas to, you know, all over the country in my car. Like you should see the back of my car with McDonald's and Burger King and all this shit. Like stay where you are. It's a better life. And so that, you know, and then I, Joe Douglas became the general manager of the Jets and I played with him in college. And I had a, an opportunity to go there in a very high-ranking position. Then ESPN came back and said, you know what, we're going to give you a six-year deal. So it, it just the timing was never there. But it's the one thing I miss, I've missed in my like, professional career is because there's no – I said it to Urban Meyer when he came to work for us for a year. He's like, so, Everybody likes me. Urban. So that's yeah, yeah. It's always, he loved Todd, by the way. He's always a crowd pleaser. Yeah, right. we're, we're still close. I mean, there's, a, there's mm. Urban Meyer, the coach. There's Urban Meyer – the the guy on TV and the coach and then there's the Urban Meyer when you're actually just like one on one with him so anyway but the point is he said he's like he's like tell me like do you love doing this I was like I actually I've come to enjoy it I was like but at the end of the day coach like you can have the best show of your life the worst show of your life when you walk off the set they're gonna say great job that was awesome I mean you could have been the, the worst <laughs> worst performance of your life with every single show. great job great job yeah, we got the commercials in we're good uh, and but there's no winning there's no losing. And that's the hard part about what we do is there's just no winning, no losing. No, very rarely would you leave the set being like, suck today. Yeah, you were horrible. Although I, I probably could have used it a few times. Uh, before we get to this exercise that we have at the end where we're going to share our top five misses that we could go back and fix in the NFL and the NBA draft, uh, I want to just get to kind of the nuts and bolts of it. I know we do it most weeks when you're on and everything, but the way the top five is shaking out, the way there's this cutoff, and honestly, like the, the Caleb Williams thing starting to turn, I'll just throw in my two cents on it. I still watch those games. I think they're doing him the disservice. I wouldn't look at this falling apart USC season and go, oh, you know what? I'm not into him anymore. I think they're asking him to bail them out every possession, put the cape on and save the ass because they can't do anything else right. So if I were an NFL evaluator, yeah, there's some bad habits and some stuff I may not like, but the situation isn't doing him any favors. So if you need to write that down, I, I, can, will. I can do I it again I made later. a mental note. Just like the time you, what was it, you stood next to Tebow and said he's taller than you think. Put that in your scouting report. No, I said he wasn't as big as you think. Oh. I was like, I was out with him. Yeah, and you clearly had a couple drinks or something. Text I didn't like him, though. I didn't give him a good grade. On, on, on good grade? So no, I mean, he went grades. in the first round. I wouldn't have taken him in the first round. Right, there you go. Uh, yeah, so th this year, here's the deal. Like, Caleb Williams, if you go back, Patrick Mahomes was, he, he was very similar. The special plays are so special that you, you, you only see one of them every, like, decade, maybe 15 years. He, Mahomes got in horrible habits. Like, I remember Mahomes. There, there were some throws where, like, he, he gets the ball and the shotgun, and he's like this, right? And instead of, like, just, like, I'm talking Pop Warner, like, you know, young kid stuff. Like, get your feet perpendicular to the offensive line. Step to the where you're th throwing the ball. Follow through, like, easy stuff. He was just getting the ball and, like, and, and like 50 yards down the field. Like, when he had all the time in the world, he would bail out of the pocket. He would Everything was sloppy. Then he got a year at Kansas City, and he sat behind Alex Smith and had, had – um, Andy is his, is his head coach and, and a, a quarterback developer and had one year to sit and learn, got everything kind of fixed up. And now he still has the special plays, but he got rid of all those bad habits that he had at Texas Tech. I see the same exact things from Caleb Williams. You can't coach some of the stuff that Caleb does. Like, I just want, like, the touchdown drive in the, the last game that they lost, they've lost four out of the last five games. He's, everything is hero ball now, right? But you, there were two plays on that first scoring drive where it's like, Find me somebody else that can do that that's in college. Find me somebody else in the last seven years that can do that that's in college. I, that's why, to me, like, he's going to have the highest grade that I've given, and I was too low on, on Mahomes coming out because of all the stuff I just said, and I was worried that he had too many bad habits. I was worried that he just didn't know how to play within a system, but then found out that how intelligent he was and how, how capable he was of picking all this stuff up. Caleb, some guys are going to knock him. Drake May from North Carolina is another great quarterback. And, and if you like Drake May, you're going to point to the slop. You're going to point to losing four out of five games. 
you're going to point to to him, you know, making too many plays where he doesn't have to get outside of the pocket. He doesn't have to do some of the things he's doing. You're going to point to the fact that he he's like the, he's the new generation of of dudes, right? He like painting his fingernails, crying with mom in the stands. The crying thing really was a negative with somebody. Just, when you if if you're pushing for Drake May and you're a scout going into your GM, these are the things you're going to pound on the table. Say Drake May is so clean cut. He never cries. All the, never cries with mom in the stands. He waits till he goes home to cry to mom. You know, like. <laughs> So I just, I never hear all cries. this shit every year. And it's like, it, because Caleb came in after winning the Heisman and is like, everyone knows he's going to be the first overall pick. It's like, all right, now I'm a scout. I got 15 months to figure out how I'm going to knock this guy. Yeah. And that's what we do. And so all that stuff, like, yeah, you, you can bring that in. But fi- again, find me a quarterback that can do the things that he does. And what's interesting this year now, You've got the Bears are picking at one as of right now. Like if the draft were today, based off of the records, the Bears have the Carolina Panthers uh, first pick because of the trade last year. So the Bears would be picking at one. Arizona's picking at two. And then there are like six teams behind them. The Patriots, the Giants, uh, the Bears again with their, with their pick, the Rams. Arizona. Yeah, all those, all those teams kind of mix in. It's, it's going to be the Bears and Arizona, I think, are going to be one and two, how it looks right now. But, uh, but I don't after, know. Yeah, Tyler, after that, I, Tyler Patriots, Giants, Bears again, Rams, all of those teams are sitting there. But this is a year, like it's it's like having three rare diamonds that you can get. And after that, everything's like, you know, there's a bunch of good players. But when you're talking about Caleb Williams, who's got a chance to be a Patrick Mahomes type of, of talent at the next level if developed properly, Drake May, who would would be like the star everyone's talking about if it wasn't for Caleb Williams, and then Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, honestly, like Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson, you go by like, uh, I would say Jamar Chase. Like those are the three guys I look over the last like 15, 17 years were the, the, the premier top grades I've ever given to wide receivers. He's going to be just as high, if not higher. Like, so you're talking about three guys that could absolutely change your organization. And then after that, it's just a regular draft, you know, good, good players, but not that special. So it's going to be interesting. Like, do, do the Giants want to win? Do the Patriots want to win? Like, Mac Jones is, he should have been. He earned it, but he, he's benched this week. They're talking about Will Greer competing with, with Bailey Zappi. Like, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because no one will ever admit that they're not trying and the players are all trying. But there will be some coaching decisions and players playing and not playing that I think will be interesting to track because it's so rare to have a draft where you literally have three guys that are a rarity to get. Cash in on balling out this NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150. If there's a couple futures that feel a little tasty right now, Tatum is behind Jokic, Doncic, and Embiid for MVP. It's plus 750. Feels like pretty good value there. Also, Booker's all the way down to plus 2,000. They've barely even gotten their season started. Beal was supposed to go. He didn't play. If we just had to pick a game for Friday... We just had to pick one for you. How about Brooklyn plus four at Miami? I'm not quite sure who Brooklyn is right now, and Miami's kind of hot, so take the points. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to join. The app is easy to use, and there's a wide range of ways to bet, including quick bets, live same-game parlays, the Parlay Hub, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N, and turn dimes into dollars this season. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. First online real money wager, only $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager, only $10 first deposit required. Bonus issues, novel drawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Let's revisit some misses. It was tough. It was tough for me to find them. Um, <laughs> I, I, I put a list on my phone of mine or I scrolled on mine. Uh, I may have left I my notes back there. there. Saruti, is there an index card with all sorts of valuable information? <laughs> Handwriting that I doubt you'd even be able to read. I may just have to go back and grab it. This is, this is really good show stuff. Well, you know, look, it's a live show. All right, let's make sure we have this. All right. How's everyone doing? And this is what you paid the big bucks for, right? For Rasillo to go back. Yeah, I, the, I put down the list, and it's, it's, it's always interesting to go back, and it's embarrassing. And I it's just never checked fun. that wall so hard. Oh, that sucked. Um, do you want to go first? No, you go first. I've talked too much. Uh, 
All right, this one stings because back in my early days when they were having me go to the draft with the Celtics. Yeah. And then, like, this sucks. When they took Al Jefferson, Daryl Morey came up to me and was like, hey, the thing that we do with any high school player is you have to have this, you have to have this, you have to have this. And we run this whole program, and we do it for every high school guy. This is one of the origins of, of the Daryl and I thing. We were still cool after this. But um, then I went on TV, local Comcast Celtics thing. I was like, when the Celtics draft a high school player, Tommy, what they do, and this is like me to Tommy Heinsohn and Mike Gorman, I'm like, they have to run them through this, and they look for this rebounding rate, whatever, whatever. The assistant GM to Ainge comes up to me after a commercial break. He goes, where the fuck did you get that? <laughs> and I go, well, somebody, he goes, we don't do any of that. Great. I was like, great, thanks, Daryl, awesome. Um, so from that draft class, there was a Russian cat named Sergey Monia, 6'8", could kind of do everything. Did somebody actually remember that? Or no, you're just laughing. All right. This is the name. Um, I would like when you're oh, younger yeah. too, like when you're a draft expert when you're younger, you're so confident, right? And uh, so I'm sitting there being like, this guy, I can't believe he's not projected to go top 10. He's nasty. He played one year. One year. He's still playing for St. Petersburg now, 20 seasons later. So I didn't St. Pete's. Right. So yeah, one season in the NBA. And I was like in love with him. He was uh, he was the twenty third pick in 04. One season, you're usually looking for a little bit more. My monio was Jamarcus Russell. Thank you. What happened? Thank you. That was a Jamarcus thing, though, more than it was an evaluation. Well, it's, again, young, first time doing this. First time ESPN sent me out to do pro days. And this son of a gun gets on one knee at the end of his pro day and launches at 65 yards and hits a goalpost from his knee, 65 yards. And I was like, whoo. And he had a great year. It was just one season. He beat Notre Dame. Remember, he had a great season. Big, strong, not overly mobile, but like would, kind of like Roethlisberger, you know, would break some tackles and, and could just drive the ball and make throws that, that a lot of guys can't. And so I got enamored with it. And then... I, I was always concerned, like, boy, this guy's he just seems, like, really relaxed. Or <laughs> you know, like, I, I can't figure out, like, who he is sure. mentally. And so I didn't have a, enough context at that point. So I trusted one person who I was like, you know, what, what's going on with his personality, his drive, all that? He's like, no, he's, he's a worker. He's, you know, first one in, last one out, all the shtick. And he's like, he's just chill. And he's like, it's a positive. You know, nothing affects you. You still talk to this person? I literally have not spoken a word to this. I see this, <laughs> I see this guy annually at like the Combine Senior Bowl, and I'll walk in the other direction. So you learn. You, you live and learn. But, uh, but Jamarcus Russell was, yeah, he was my first big gotcha moment. Well, at least you didn't actually run a team and take him number one. So there's, I remember <laughs> there was a guy with A&M who I go, all right, what's up with Manziel? I go, what's up? He's got magic. And he's like, man, because I just know coming out of the tunnel with him on Saturdays, we have a chance. He's like, that doesn't really seem like an answer about how he's going to be as an NFL quarterback. What about the other six days? Right. And then I, then when it didn't work, I go, man, was that guy, he was doing, he didn't, he wasn't going to sell his guy out to me because I had had the show with Van Pelt at that point, but he wasn't going to dog his guy either. Yeah. And that's especially down South. That's like one of the biggest things. All right. I've got another bus for you for the people for the non-casuals, Julian Wright, 6'8", out of Kansas. Guy was filthy. Uh, he did lead the Israeli League in rebounding about nine years ago. See, we don't, the NFL doesn't have the... I know. We can't ship him over to Europe and... Uh, I went back. For years, I was like, how's he doing with Belgrade? I'm like, oh, you know, I wasn't totally off. Yeah, he... he I had this weird thing for 6'8", guys, for a while. Like, Apparently. if you could do all of these things... And you weren't necessarily like super polished. I was like, he'll figure it out at the hardest level of competition in the world, because uh, that'll be easy. So I have a new six-eight rule. I think it started with Earl Clark from Louisville, where I was like, if you're not actually good at the basketball part, then I'm going to stop thinking you're going to be a good pick. But that was some of the early lessons there. But that one haunts me because when he was nice, it was nice coming down the break, leading it, pass, good vision, shooting would get better, and uh, he didn't do anything. Sam Darnold's my next one. Thank you. See, but everybody still has sympathy for him. And we thought we were so close to seeing him with Shanahan when we thought Purdy. Yeah. Was no, I, I, was, I was pumped up about it. I know. I know. And McShay comeback season. Seriously. I, I legitimately, like, because remember, that was the year with, like, Josh McCown, um, Baker Mayfield. Josh Rosen. 
Uh, Josh Rosen. Sorry, right. Josh Rosen. Uh, who who else was in that class? There was Lamar. It's well, Baker, and Lamar goes thirty first or thirty second in that in that draft and winds up being the best of all the quarterbacks that were that were taken. So. I thought he was going to be special, though. No, like, it, you know, it's one thing to miss and have him as a top 10 prospect and you know he's going to go early, but like, I thought he was going to be the next guy. And he just has never pulled it together. I, I, I can't, I still to this day can't totally fi- figure it out. It's, it's just bad mistakes, bad times. But also, remember how he started, too? It was like the Jets have their guy. Yes. Because yeah. I also noticed. Well, how many was- times have we heard? I mean, the, Mark Sanchez, Sam Darnold, my next guy on my list, I'll just tell you, Zach Wilson, like, uh, there's there's a trend here. Sometimes it's not the guy, but but with Zach, it's the guy. <laughs> Tell me it's not. Do you have a blind spot for attractive white quarterbacks? <laughs> Jamarcus Russell. Well, that's it's. There's one outlier. Uh, speaking of white guys, Sauce Castillo, aka Nick Stauskas. <laughs> When I thought, I remember I called Chad Ford, and I was like, I think he can play a little one. I don't think he's just a two. I think his ball handling's pretty crisp. And so did, eight? so did three. He was tall. He might be like six, seven. Um, but because he was projected only as an off-ball spot-up shooter, and then Michigan had these moments where they actually let him initiate the offense, I was like, you're getting even more with this guy. Because I love the guards that can play both on and off. He couldn't play on or off. And that's... <laughs> That's a problem. And then he just couldn't shoot. And then everybody else was doing what I was doing. I think Sacramento ended up trading a first-rounder for him after it was already pretty clear, like, I don't think he's going to be that guy. But Vivek was on fire early on. New owner syndrome happens a lot. Um, But Stauskas is the eighth pick in 14. Yeah. C.J. Spiller. Like, what what happened, man? Yeah, that's like Darren McFadden. He was like my all-satellite team, inaugural all-satellite team, best in space. The league was starting to become more pass than run. You didn't need a 220-pounder. I thought he was going to be a perfect fit. Could help in the return game if you wanted. He just never did it. He just didn't have – he didn't have the juice. He he, he couldn't stay healthy for a while. He disappointed me. I mean, the running backs are hit and miss – but C.J. Spiller, I was certain, was going to be a great pro. See, C.J. is more disappointing than even Trent Richardson because when Trent came in and then I talked to him, I was like, what's up? And they were like, he wasn't the quickest, so if he ever got a little bit slower here, yeah. it was over for him. And I was like, wow, that's kind of great because, remember, he was just truck-sticking everybody yeah. at Alabama. And, um, you know, look, all right, uh, I'm going to save the best for last here, but I'm going to go LSU, Tyrus Thomas. Speaking of 6'8", it's all 6'8", guys. They haunt me. Number four pick in 06. I remember going on Chicago radio, and I was like, it's just going to take a little time. (laughs) Like, don't worry about it. I also remember, I think I was leaving the Portsmouth Invitational Tournament. I was sitting next to a GM. We ended up on the same flight. And I was like, the Tyrus Thomas stuff is kind of out of nowhere. Like, he kind of plays no position, but could play all the positions. He's like, athletically, he should go number two. I'm like, behind El Magic, Bargnani? I was a big LaMarcus Aldridge guy that year, so it was a win for me, at least for that. But I, I talked myself into Tyrus that he was going to play basketball. Like, again, I, there's a pattern here. These guys that I think can do everything and ultimately do nothing. He yeah. just couldn't shoot. Like, if you can't shoot and you can't play with the ball in your hands and then you don't do any of the other stuff. And I think he was a bit of a, a prickly cat on top of everything else. You know, it's like yeah. Mac Jones. Like, dude, you, you're gonna, you have to be a little bit better to be mad at everybody. How about the Mac Jones stuff? You get Gronkowski coming out now. So. I'd love to know what Saban said to Belichick. Because for me on that, like, Bill had been just cycling through bad plan after bad plan. And then it's like, so you desperately need a quarterback, and now you're going to take, what, the fifth one that's left? How does it feel being Mac Jones knowing that you're the guy that is going to wind up shipping Bill Belichick out of New England? Right? Like, that sucks. Probably not going to open. He's probably not opening uh, an alehouse on Boylston. No, soon. no, Sam Adams. All right, you got one more. I got one more, and we'll be. Uh... Well, we talked about Lamar and Mahomes. I was a little bit low. The sad part is, I was looking through this today on the flight in. Some of my best hits were guys that I thought were going to suck in the league and wound up sucking. And the th- like, it, all the time you put in, like watching every single throw for a quarterback for three years and all this stuff, you want to like the guy. You want, you know, like. And then you get on television with Kuiper and he's got his, you know, his sunglasses on three o'clock in the afternoon and his hair's back like a, you know. 
looks like a raven. He's from Baltimore. He's like dressed like a raven, and he's yelling at me. With Clausen, with Jimmy Clausen, he actually said, like, right before the draft, he's screaming at me. Meanwhile, I'm not, I'm not at the point where I'm even on the draft coverage. So it was like his parting shot to me. You weren't even on, on the like show. On, like, 6 p.m. Sports Center, right before the actual show starts. And I'm, like, back in Bristol. They're, they're at the site. They're down in New York City. He's like, I'm telling you what, McShay, you're wrong on Jimmy Clausen. If he doesn't turn out to be a great player in the first three years, I'm going to retire. Well, <laughs> here we are. And I couldn't say anything back. They were like, oh, three, two, one. Like, oh, <laughs> on to the draft show. And That's I just a vet move. Right to the on. clock. But yeah, like Tim Tebow, Jimmy Clausen, uh, Brady Quinn. By the way, I want to – did I ever tell you the Brady Quinn story? No, but the good-looking quarterback blind spot thing has been debunked. <laughs> Thank you. Brady, if you had said you liked all those guys, I'd be like, there's a pattern. But Brady no, Quinn's sister tried to – Threatened to slap me in the, when uh, we were at the ESPYs one day because I said so many bad things. That started off different. Paxton Lynch, <laughs> EJ Manuel, Brandon Whedon, Daniel Jones. These are all the guys that Kuiper liked that I didn't like. But it's like, I'm not proud of it. It's like I'm tearing down these, these people. But, yeah. I think I'm with you on that because I think I watch enough on Saturday that every now and then there'll be, like, somebody ramped up. And it'll be like, I could see him be a third, fourth round guy. And I'm like, oh, my God, do you not have cable? You know, so like, I think it's a coin flip with all the guys in the first round. I'm more lost than ever. All right. My last one, because this one really hurts. If you had told me that I would like Wiseman more than the guy who is now my current favorite player in the NBA, Anthony Edwards, I was going to be surprised. Now, look, when I watch Wiseman, I go, don't do this. He's played three games. One were against the two high school teams in the Oregon game. There's not enough to go on. But the way he moved when he wasn't thinking was so special. But then I was like, when he has to think. There's a bit of a, it's almost like bad dial-up. And I go, you've seen this before. You've seen this before. But the biggest miss wasn't just being wrong about Wiseman, was that I didn't understand Anthony Edwards, the person. I didn't understand the personality. I called down to Georgia. I was like, what do I need to know? And they were like, he's a motherfucker. And I was like, this guy's lying to me. He just, because I was like, he doesn't, like, he can't shoot. He takes awful shots. He tries to out-athlete everybody. And the lesson in that is that, yeah, the rest of the team wasn't good. It was, Georgia wasn't bad because of him. The rest of the team was terrible. He knew they were terrible, and he just decided, I'm going to try to do it on my own. And he's not one of those dynamic scorers who wants to do it on his own. And now he's my favorite player in the league, and I actually like a guy that's going to be in the G League more than him four years ago. boy. At least I'm not alone. Yeah, well, look, at, just, at least uh, I wanted to admit that to you. Um, all right, let's just uh, reset here. Thanks to Todd. This is my guy. And we'll, uh, we'll bring out the boys here. Let me just grab a laptop and get the emails queued up. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. You know what I hate? Hate is after lunch, there's all this time before dinner. I hate it. So I'm always like, do I do this? It's like, you should. Gain season. Throw in a little something extra, an appetizer that just starts hours before dinner. It just gets so frustrating when there aren't great options. That's where Arby's new two for $5 chicken wraps come in. Available in your choice of ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for that afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Food buddies. Arby's two for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Viore. It's time to ditch your old workout fit. Seriously, just let them go and try Viore clothing instead. Their active wear is unbelievable. Sometimes I wear it and I go, 
do I look too good? <laughs> I don't want to be at this peak level of awesomeness in their joggers every single day. This is going to be hard to maintain, but that's what the joggers do for you. Whether you're sort of business cash, whether you're just around the house, whether you're working out, whether you're getting on a plane and you're going to be in your seat for a long time, the joggers just give you a hug for the entire flight. It's soft. It's comfortable. You're never going to want to take them off. Incredible versatility. You can wear it while taking part in different kinds of exercises, running, training, swimming, yoga, and more. Viore yoga class. That just makes sense. The Sunday jogger is the number one go-to. And of course, the core short out now. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash Ryan. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. There he is, folks. Do you guys remember that Tommy Bahama remark he made to open the show? <laughs> Looks good on you. I know. Uh, you guys got here last night, huh? We did. Yeah. Shouldn't be alone in Vegas. It was so bad today. I took a bath. <laughs> I took a bath in my hotel room. Not like the, not the figurative lost a bunch of money, which I also did. He didn't leave his hotel for like 24 hours. He just stayed in the hotel. We're at the Mirage. He just stayed there. Uh, like, I know the first time leaving the Mirage today. Yeah. We need to get to the questions at some point, but I have a few of my own. Uh, you were here by yourself. Yeah, I just I like to get places early, so I forgot that I was going to Vegas, so I stepped off the plane at like 9 a.m. yesterday and was just alone. And then you took a bath today. Yeah. When's the last time you took a bath? 2018 um, <laughs> in Cleveland. I, it was for the finals. Uh, I was in the penthouse uh, hotel room because something got messed up, and I but before that, it had been like 10 years. And I forgot about water displacement, so I filled it up to the top and just got in and like a me amount of water hit the ground and I just let it sit there. And probably 20 minutes later, like the guys came knocking like, hey, we've got a massive leak up here. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, so, but that was the last time I took a bath before. Not today. a huge bath guy, average one every, what, that'd be what, every six years? Yeah, yeah. I don't fit in Good like apartment-sized baths. I need no, a, yeah, a I don't... hotel bath, you know? I have so many other – I didn't know about any of this. Uh, you know what? Let's just not ask about any of it. Is that all right? Yeah. We, we got questions and stuff, okay. right? Yeah. All right. Um, sure you made it. This is Saruti, by the way. What's His up? lovely wife is in uh, – Thank you. Oh, this will be a good one because you, you guys both live with women. Nice. All right. Girlfriend moving procedures. Gentlemen of the Alliance, 28-5-10-180, adult league soccer player with minimal gym stats, although I've started going the past few months. Pickup comp is Trey Burke with a lower field goal percentage in the paint. That's that's not good. My girlfriend, also 28, and I've been together for almost a year. The topic of her moving in in 2024 has been thrown around informally. This impending move-in has become a topic of conversation. Between my friends and I, this is the first serious relationship I've had. The main concern is that she's lived at home since college and not moved out at any point. While I believe this is mostly due to her working a lower-paying job, which she loves, the fact that she hasn't moved in with her sister, friends, or anyone else the past seven years is something I, as an only child, find odd. I'm independent and enjoy being alone, but also feel ready for her to move in at some point in the future. She discussed early on in our relationship possibly moving in with her sister who owns a house, but a recent inquiry into that possibility led her to saying that she, quote, hadn't thought about it recently. This leads me to think she would only move out if it would be to live with me at this point. What's the best way to approach the situation? Does this seem like a warning flag to any of you guys? Open to any and all feedback on how to approach this. That doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. Especially if she's Italian, right? I mean, that's it's like what I ask. It's like how you go like, a sh it's like how hot is she when we're reading something? I'm yeah, because like, that's usually I'm always like, is he Italian? It's, could that explain this strange behavior? And I think I think this one, if she is, it would make sense. What are you saying, dude? I'm saying you guys stay at home until it's like, you know, you should, you know, that's just what happens. Look at, look at Tommy DeVito. 
That's totally normal. And so like, this is all because of, of Tommy DeVito. No, no, you no, think if she's Italian. A lot of America was like, what the fuck? That's so crazy. And then a lot of America was also like, yeah, I know. Like, he hasn't found the one yet. That's why he's still at home. That sounded like a chicken cutlet situation more than it was a lack. I yeah, mean, if you're the quarterback be. of the Giants, you're probably going to meet a few women. Yeah. Uh, that's usually historically how that position works. Uh, what, what about you? What, from the beginning? How I moved in? Well, not your whole life story, but I guess the Italian part, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know that me being Italian had anything to do with it. I mean, I hate to. No, I'm not saying all Italians are bad. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> wow. I'm just saying. I'm just saying it's it sometimes comes with that culture where they just kind of kick it at home yeah. until the next thing happens. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there is like a, you know, your mom's Sunday gravy, you like to go home and you just, you just cut out the middle man by just never moving out. That's pretty great. I didn't do that. I moved out. I lived, I did live at home when I was working at ESPN, SCP and Rosillo days, we're bringing a full circle here. I lived at home during that, and I was dating. It was kind of awkward. Um, but then when we moved in together, I was I was living on my own. She was also we were both in West, West Hartford, good spot. So I don't know. I, I do think it is a little bit of a red flag. Like I don't know. She's kind of pushing you in that direction. She's just waiting for you to make a move. Look, I think there's so many other red flags that would be higher than this one. Having no friends would be way worse than having no roommates historically. Like that's, that's always true. kind of the thing. Yeah. But like you don't have one person that you hang out with. You've never been invited to a wedding in your 35. These are bad well, things. No offense if none of you are the north of 35. Well, Kyle, you just hey, went wait, to your I Kyle has been to like one uh, wedding in 28. His I was 28, so not 35. Yeah, but I know your crew. Yeah, yeah. That's not <laughs> Yeah, they're not getting married. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hold that guy. You're salt of the earth. I've been I'm invited to a couple coming home parties. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, right. He got invited to those, so that's a good sign. Uh, I think this guy's overthinking it a little bit, and he is. Yeah. Is there a bit of an only child angle where he told on himself a little bit, where he's thinking, hey, everything's not going to actually go my way this time? Lenny Kravitz. Uh, do you I think – do you think – I, I, this isn't really that big of a deal. I think he's overthinking this one. And here's the deal. If she moves in and you don't like each other, you're not married. It's just a lease. And you'll probably get hosed on some transaction later on, but better than in front of a judge. Yeah, I think you, you just want to do maybe a couple back-to-back -back sleepovers. Not to say that, that hasn't happened, but if that's what he's worried about is, like, how's it going to happen when she's, Why like can't you just, like, soft launch it? Like a restaurant that's not ready with a full menu. Hey, why don't you stay here? Yeah, for don't move weeks. your stuff out. Yeah, yeah, but stay here. Exactly. Yeah. There, right. there you go. Don't right. break your lease with your parents. Yeah. Okay, what's up, guys? Six foot, 180, huge right arm from holding my children. Uh, I will say, my, my wife is shaking her head now. Um, it has gotten tough. The left, the left arm is it's feeling, it's just, feeling good. All right, hey, let's just bring it to the audience. Uh, show of hands, people that think holding a baby makes one arm stronger than the other. All right, and opposed? Well, that guy's core is balanced. That's great. Uh, all right, standing room etiquette. What's up, guys? 6'1", 180, huge right arm. Already said that, Rosillo. Recently caught a bean team game. I like that. In the standing room only section, when I overheard guy on my left, 5'5", five, five, important to the story, 5'5", five five, saying he wishes he could strike up a conversation with the girl on my right. I let him know shooters have to shoot and step back in to let him take his chance. Well, that... That, there's no way this goes right. I'm still I'm still a little thrown off that I read the intro twice. All right, after striking out horribly, he tried to move back to my left. However, two guys over 6'3", 250 took his spot. So he went to slide into the side, hit on a girl at the game, also at 5'5". Five, five. She says no. He goes back to original spot. Two dudes, two tight ends are in his way. Um he was pissed and aggressively let the guys know they need to move. I was fine since I could see over him anyway, but wanted to see where this altercation went. I quickly realized they needed to intervene after a small guy told them, quote, I know karate and will fuck you up. <laughs> Question for the guy. Should I have told the guy he was fine standing in front of me, leaving out that it was due to his stature? Should I have been on his side and try to get the guys to move, or should I have sat back to watch the whole thing go down? P.S. One of the guys ended up hooking up with a girl that was the girl the guy was hitting on. Oof. Yikes. That's a talk. Hope they won the game. That's a tough <laughs> night out. Uh, so the 6-1 guys, like, basically, you could have gone to the 5-5 five, five guy and be like, hey, I think once you say the karate line out loud to people in a public setting, no one should have your back the on Fucking anybody. bagel boss at that point, right? You're yeah, like, that right. Guy. Yeah. You're like, that guy towers over the bagel guy. Yeah, yeah, but still, it's the same. Everyone's right. like, what did you just say? Although the bagel guy, I kind of got where he was coming from. 
I mean, it was clearly. And what, what? Which part? That was, that was a boiling of like. Yeah. You know. That kind of, online all the time. Right. Say stuff about me. That's tough. <laughs> yeah. And the funny thing is, he looks exactly like somebody I know. Did you but, let that guy know? <laughs> no, no. I was like, hey, you look kind of like the bagel guy. Uh, like, oh, sweet. Thanks, man. That's, That's not really- a guy you want to look like. Either. No, no, That's not at all. Comment, yeah. Uh, I think the, I, I can't get past the karate line. If you say the karate line, I'm never going to be like, hey, man, why don't we hang out more? And do you say karate like or is that like an overarching thing? Like, is like, is there actually a kar- karate? You, is there? There is a karate. It's not like a bunch of different stuff. Thanks. Thanks, guy. Well, my question would be, though, like, when, when someone says, hey, I'm going to fight, I know karate. Like, do people, like, you know, it's one thing if you're doing Taekwondo or you're a boxing guy or an MMA guy. Marcus is raising his hand for some reason. Uh, do you, do you, like, you do took you, karate for 15 years? What, do you just start, like, chopping people? I'm not afraid of you. <laughs> it definitely helps. Oh. Don't I think most disciplines are going to lose to four and one. Although we've already scam? covered this topic. Uh, have you ever, before you were about to fight, say, uh, hold on, I know karate? <laughs> I don't think anybody that's actually tough would say, hold on, are you aware of my disciplines? <laughs> are you sure you want to do this? Yeah, are you sure you want to do this? Because I think I'd be like, now I'm definitely yeah. sure. You're messing with a purple belt? <laughs> so. Right. Uh, Look, this guy's night sucked, and I think that's I think that's where the comment, much like the bagel guy, it wasn't about the other guys. It wasn't. It was about the girl. It was about everything else. And who knows? Maybe he had the Kings under. And for that guy, it's like it's like Vegas. Only gamble what you can lose. You gambled on the space, you lost the space, and now you have to spend a little time fixing it. And not, yeah, you not don't get it back. back. You don't it's, get it yeah. back. And look, it's no offense, but like if you're buying a standing room ticket, it's a free for all. Nobody, nobody is ever in the history of standing room been like, yeah, no, definitely go hit on somebody, then come back, and we'll give you the we spot. Fives, yeah, fives. How that works? Okay. Um, strip club etiquette. Fitting. Anything? Uh, anything to add from last night? Oh, I'm super uncomfortable in strip clubs. I don't. I try not to go there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you want to elaborate? <laughs> No, I just, I don't know. I think the last one I was at like New Year's Eve and I was like, I can't believe I'm here. And I don't know. I don't, I don't like it. I think it's normally when the, like the waitresses come up and talk to me. I'm like, am I supposed to pay you for talking to me? Cause I don't want to do that. And I'm not spending any money really. I feel like this is a ripoff. I don't know. It's like, I I don't belong. I'm always like the Ricky Bobby. Like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, not that I'm going to get handsy. Sure. So I just start like, I, my friends always bust me. But I'll, I'll start like asking questions and be like, "So where are you from?" Because like, uh, I because I'm uncomfortable with the silence, and I just like I don't know. School? What am I right. supposed to do? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't want this. So yeah, I'm I'm bad as well. There you go. Yeah, I mean sometimes you just be like, "Hey, this isn't gonna go anywhere." No, yeah. Like Sorry. I'm not a I'm not a backroom. Got the guy. magic game on yeah. over here. Just leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> like there's not a ton to do in Hartford, and they serve late. Uh, all right, here we go. Five nine twenty four one sixty casual gym goer shorter Andrew Harrison. Wow. It's going way back. Where's our Kentucky guy? Um, I have a friend dating back to middle school. Let's call him Drew, who I've always been super tight with and consider his family as my own. In recent years, I've grown apart from Drew, both because we haven't lived near each other since high school ended and also because I went up to college while he went straight into the workforce. Other interests are different. Also, maturity gap between the two of us, due to, not due to educational status. There's been, honestly, uh, that since we've met. So he's like, I've dominated him smarts-wise. Since the early days, awkward things I've managed to make new friends throughout my time in college while Drew has struggled to do so. This has caused a situation which Drew considers me his closest friend while I feel like the super tight bond ran its course a while ago. Yeah, it always sucks when you're the rival. It's kind of like the college football thing. It's like you're not even our rival. It's like you're not even my number one friend, dude. You're like number six. We don't think about you. Yeah, but I'm your one. Your rankings are off. All right, so I go out of my way to see him when I'm home from time to time because, one, he helped me out through some tough times in high school, and I feel like I owe it to him. Boy, would he be thrilled to know about this assessment of the friendship. None of my other college friends live in my hometown, so it's not like I'm trying to see anyone else. This is despite the fact that Drew is a niche hobby that I'm only happy to indulge in because I see this person rarely. All right, so maybe, I don't know, RC cars? I don't know what we're doing here. Recently, there was somebody, let's call him Jason, at Drew's work that introduced him to strip clubs around six months ago. Up until six months ago, Drew never went out and hardly ever drank. I, on the other hand, drink uh, since I started college and go out two to three weeks to various bars. 
Oh, every two to three weeks, various bars, not one bar for two or three weeks. That'd be pretty aggressive. Sports bars, we got it. Uh, I've never been to a strip club and frankly don't want to for a variety of reasons, uh, an exception of friend's bachelor party whenever that time comes. But for Drew, I'm happy he's loosened up, even if it's not my place of choice. Now comes the issue. Drew and Jason had a major tip three to four months ago and don't talk to each other anymore. So now I'm back to being his only close friend. Drew, however, still wants to go to the strip club and doesn't want to go by himself. That's actually kind of good that he knows Can't that go solo. Like, oh, Drew's here again. It's we're not open yet, Drew. Uh, so he's been wanting us to go with him. Last time I came home, me and Drew were hanging out. And some of the time I wanted to go back to my parents' house and sleep and call it a night. And he would not stop insisting on going to the strip club a few blocks away. He kept it up for 30 minutes. But I held my ground, got home, even though the whole ordeal made both of us annoyed as fuck at each other. Ever since he always brings it up, calls to pressure me and calls me a wimp about the whole thing. I've, I internally have just tossed and turned on whose side I'm on through this entire email. Uh, Drew's motivation for wanting to do the strip club as opposed to the bar is that he's had luck with talking to women. I want to sell that guy 15 years of karate lessons. because like, What the fuck? Uh, massive error. Bad luck talking with women. Uh, I thought he meant, uh, yeah, I was like, I they usually that. are, as we've just covered, yeah. pretty friendly when you walk in. Um, but in the non-paying deals, he's had bad luck talking to women. Our emailer says the same for him, but that's another email. At least at the strip club, he feels connected to women there because they want his money. So he does like the attention, which is kind of the whole fucking point of the industry. Um, how should I handle this? Am I being a wuss about it? Should I give in? Look, uh, anybody that's ever gone to like a weird social phase, you know, like I've always been pretty popular. So, uh, no, <laughs> um, no, like when I moved to high school and I transferred in, it was like a weird deal. And then I've had different times that like you move to a new town and you know, whatever, but like, you know how, whether it is you or it's a, it's a sibling or somebody you're close to, you just know, like in certain, certain ways, socially there's a bit more of a hang-up and maybe it's just as simple as them being shy and it's not other some massive diagnosis um i'm actually in favor of of people kind of being like hey this is something i kind of like doing now strip club's a bit aggressive but i'm not like anti somebody that normally doesn't have an outgoing personality then trying to do something to be outgoing but if you guys are how old are you again if you guys well you're 24 so that makes sense but even at 24, if somebody's super strip club guy and you're like, I kind of don't want to go, that's up to him to understand that, like, you don't want to go. Like, I, if you don't want to be there, it's not fun. And then he's rolling in as a local doing what? Thinking he's actually going to go out on a date with one of them in two years? Of course not. Yeah, guess who's not going to be the weird guy in that equation? The guy who doesn't want to go to the strip club on a regular basis. So I think you're kind of fine and just let your friend be like if he wants to go solo, I guess I know he doesn't like doing that, but he's got to learn because it's not up to you to like hold this guy's hand at the strip club because he wants to go so bad. Yeah, strip club guy, every single one of them, you give him an inch, they take a mile. So you cannot you can't even oh. be like, oh, well, you can't even like check your watch and see what time it is. It just has to be straight. No, because if that guy sees an inch of daylight, he's like going to try to go to run it through that up. wall. <laughs> yeah, it's like, ask you every should time. We? Yeah. Should we? Oh, come on. And I then he'll, and then he'll like, you know lay low for like two hours and then yep. try to hit you when you had a couple yep. drinks it's like no dude so you have to just you have to be very firm no with strip club guys yeah i don't think there's really much meat on that bone other than that i i don't like imagine he will i guarantee you at 24 at like 30 he'll go i can't believe i what used to fuck? call you a wuss <laughs> for not wanting uh, to go i don't know you think those guys change sometimes they just kind of that's kind of who they are guys that love strip clubs love strip clubs though but sometimes it's as simple as like hey it's still open all right, whatever. All right, uh, here's a quick one, a technical one. What's going on with the transitions between segments and commercials on the pod? <laughs> Be on the spot. What is, is there any? Specifics? What is going on? Just they're saying you need to tighten it up. <laughs> I, I've heard it's not my deal anymore, guys. I have heard people don't love the like the the swoosh transition, and I I, I did read that somebody thinks we're in like 2007 using that transition like as a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> Um, which I, I disagree with. I mean, we could just go straight the to the commercial. I love the whoosh. I like the, it's, well, you, you guys I, show of hands for the whoosh. All right, there we go. Right, so, oh, that was actually not as many as I hoped for. <laughs> 
uh, I don't know. It was, it was a Kyle thing. I just don't want to change it. Was it was actually you know? the same one that was on Bill's pod. And when Ryan came over, I was Ryan's like, Ryan's not going to want to hear that. Yeah. That's the most important whoosh we have. So I was like, I'll give it to Ryan. He'll so I really love one that. whoosh. Yeah. I've heard the whoosh. I think it's, I think it's funny because it's so, it's like a star wipe on like an 80s sitcom. Like we're not trying to reinvent right, enough, the wheel here. Enough. We're just we're going to break, man. I don't know what to do. You know what? Let's have somebody voice over something different that's so weird. Should we just have random James Harden lines like we've been doing in the end of the pod? <laughs> it should just be a moan. Like it should be the noise <laughs> Kyle makes when he first gets into the bathtub in, in oh, you know what? We should nine. <laughs> we should just have Kyle's breathing take us into break. That's a whoosh of sorts. <laughs> By the way, didn't happen when I was running the show, so. No, we can't replace Kyle, obviously. So we're trying, man. I don't know. Thanks. Um, we have a few like more Friday feedback ones here. So I'm not quite sure. Um, all right, we'll do two more of these and we'll end on a high note because there's another one that's kind of comes full circle uh, that I think is is least important to get everybody up to date on. Uh, all right, here's a good one. Because I think, Kyle, you actually this could be your expertise. 6-1-205, average at everything in the weight room, but can hit a golf ball 310. Sweet. Uh, player comp, poor man's Rodney Stuckey. Kind of liked him. Kind of liked him for a little while. That, that area of the crowd really liked it. Uh, recent issues come up. After living in my condo for over a year, someone recently began playing super loud music between 1 and 4 a.m. on an obscure weeknights. Uh, most annoying part is that even if you dampen the noise, you can still feel it. The first couple of nights I let it slide, but recently it's become louder and louder and has become a source of anger rather than annoyance, even to the point that I've gone outside and walked the complex trying to find who was playing it and either leave a note or knock on the door. Yet despite going, essentially door-to-door, cannot find the source, went outside, have reached out to the HOA, and they are no help. Shocker. Um, Would you reach out to the police, or I would reach out to the police, but I can't imagine they're going to be much help, because I've gone through the whole complex and could not pinpoint the location, wanted to reach out and see if someone who's an expert with HOAs in real estate would handle this. Um, Experts, aggressive. I just have my complaints. I have my issues in both departments. Anything, Kyle? How loud could it be if you can't even figure out where this is coming from? I feel like everyone that you're trying, it's like everyone's going to think you're a dick if you're like, well, I don't know where it is, but I hear it. Like, I don't, I I mean, I understand what you're saying. Also, I'm not... I'm not so precious about my neighbors. Like I'm, one to four a.m. Though, I mean, I sleep. I three. I sleep weeknights. Yeah, I don't. I think it would be fine. I could go to sleep though. I could. I could. I could go back there and go to sleep. Right. I was thinking about doing it while you were doing the long question and answer. I was like, could I? Wow. No, no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So it was but a little long, is what you're saying? I just. Uh, I just. I'm not going to be the guy that that you know tries to knock on doors for this i can't believe i'm saying this but is this perhaps where facebook community comes in for an, uh, an hoa i was gonna say can you ask around do you have no other do you not know anyone else is there equipment is there like spy equipment could you just put on headphones and like have one of those things you're just sort of pinpointing the sound waves uh, that'd be fun to order sure if it works like is it like, it the, like those ghost finder shows but just for the music i guess some guy playing. did you see the ghost finder where the guy was convinced it was making him drink whiskey <laughs> i saw a clip of did that you see that, that clip great. that was great I just wish those shows would be like none of this is real. Yeah. Right? You got, you got I, I thought opera, a little meter uh, just going. Plane really repo was real. Uh, I was heartbroken when I found out that mm. uh, plane repo was not real. I mean, none of those shows are real. like. I don't want to. I'm not telling you like Santa Claus. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> I watched like nine episodes of it. Do you know how dangerous plane repo would actually be? I, that's what I, was, I was glued to the TV. I was like, how do they keep getting away with this? <laughs> Reenactments. Re-enactment. I'm coming back next season. Uh, all right, last one. Remember when we talked about the roofing nail situation? Oh, yes. yes. Right? So to catch everybody up on that, we had somebody email in just a recent show where he was like, my neighbor's a dick. There was a tree that fell and, you know, it got flooded and all these different things. And they were refinishing the roof because the tree that had fallen, but all these other things that happened with the neighbor were clearly this neighbor. He'd given us real solid, hard evidence that this neighbor wasn't the sweetest time. And it appeared that his son and another neighbor's kid may have been actually the ones to put the roofing nails underneath his truck's tire. Um, it was repaired, but then the guy was going on and on. However, we have new evidence. This is maybe a first. Unless I deleted it. Don't worry. I know how to get back in. All right. Uh... This is bad. This is bad because I'm going to not say this part in the segment, but it, it may check out. Hi, guys. At my apex, I was often compared to a poor man's Michael Doliak during the 97-98 Utah tournament run. I love that team. 
It's a good team. Dick, the neighbor, might in fact be a dick. But let me tell you the more accurate story of Junior and the deflated tires. After hearing the story of the emailer asking whether he needed to pay his awful neighbor Dick the 90 bucks because his son placed roofing nails behind the neighbor's tires, I could not help but wonder if I live in the same neighborhood. About a month ago, our neighborhood had a rash of postings on Facebook and the Nextdoor app asking about flat tires with roofing nails in them. After some digging, it was discovered that a young male punk was purposely placing roofing nails behind tires and it happened more than once. To further substantiate my wonders, a home in the neighborhood did have a tree fall on the house. The emailer did mention a tree fall on their house. If this is the same neighborhood, what the emailer failed to mention is that his son, let's call him Junior, also placed roofing nails behind the tires of two other neighbors. In total, Junior and his wild mate hit three total homes with roofing nails. I live in a Midwestern town with a sensible and simple life. This fellow Midwesterner needs to corral his wild banshee of a son and reimburse not only Dick, but the three other homes. Thank you for sharing another perspective to further liven up the neighborhood message boards. Unbelievable. I believe him, though. I believe him. Could it be that some emailers are lying to us? No. They wouldn't do that to us, would they? It's a five Fridays. Am I right? I don't like to believe that. That's, I don't know. There, there's a lot of specifics in there. I guess he could have used all, all the evidence he used in there. You could have just found out from the original email, though. He could have totally made that up. Both emails had the same last name, different first names. Oh, shit. Yeah, busted. Uh, all right. Uh, look, thank you so much for doing this. We'll do the meet and greet downstairs. I know it was late because um, we were lining it up because the F1 stuff. So, uh, again, it means a lot that you would take the time and come out and do this. So thanks to Kyle. Thanks to Steve. Thanks to Elizabeth. Thanks to Salesforce. And we'll be uh, downstairs in a minute to hang out and get pictures. All right. So thank you. Yeah. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com forward slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-800-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org forward slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.